If I see a guy walking around town wearing a hoodie, this is what I assume he's on his way to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Uncaged. I've just realised I've lost count how many days this is. We're in the 60s at this point. We are a sexagenarian if we were a person. We would be getting the bus pass. We would be considering retirement. We would possibly be spending the weekend with the grandkids. But no, we're not doing any of that. I'm just spending the time on the internet having great conversations with my great friend, Dan Fisher. And once again, we're joined by a great guest. This is a person who is a sometimes comedian, sometimes musician. I keep almost saying magician. That's a dangerous road to travel there. (laughs) We don't allow magicians on here. Constant artist and one of my longest serving friends. It's Mr. Johnny Druitt. Hey, Hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you. It's uh, well. Do you know what, mate? I was going to say it was a pleasure, but I don't. I don't know whether that's the correct. Remains way. to be seen. Remains to be seen. What it exactly <laughs> was, but I'm glad that you did not credit me as a magician just then. Yes, that would be close. I'm really excited to hear everyone's takes on this straight off the bat because this is not what I expected. Yeah, we usually we usually do a bit of waffle, but I'm I'm also just as thirsty to hear what everyone thinks, but. I think it's very important we establish a couple of things up front. Johnny, I want to know, I've been friends with you for a long time, but I don't think Nick Cage has ever come up on conversation no, with us. No, not at all. So I'm actually genuinely interested to know the ways in which he has interacted with your life prior to today. How I interact with Nicolas Cage. This is, I mean, this is something I've definitely thought about myself. And like, I, to be honest, I feel like Nicolas Cage as a, a pop cultural entity has almost completely passed me by. I've never fully understood. I remember when I was at art school in uh, probably around the time. Actually, yeah, the year that this film came out is when I probably when I started. Uh, I knew a bloke who did a project called The Cage of Cage, where he made an installation which was constantly playing Nick Cage films in a sort of like. So there's a there's a you've got a screen above you, beside you, in all directions constantly playing sounds like the back of my eyelids well yeah this is a weirdly pertinent thing for what you guys are currently going through so um very very sort of perspicacious in that sense but i i never really got what it was about him and he's 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 become a meme right like he's become a A major way a cultural icon and i've never fully understood what it was about him that did that so when i saw that you guys were doing this project i felt like even before you even suggested getting involved ben i was i was kind of having to kind of uh harvest through what it was that made him such a such an icon and 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 i almost would want to ask you guys what it was that brought you towards him and 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 what what are the main elements that made him an important area of study for you because there's there's two key words when looking at why i'm interested in nick cage films and those two words are national and treasure (laughs) (laughs) i I think kind of similar to what you're saying there we're very aware of like the kind of meme side of cage we've seen a few films each and kind of wanted to know like this is a guy that won't stop making films Mm. Let's try and learn more about him and to see if we can get inside the head of him, see if we can learn why he's making the decisions he does and if we can pinpoint the moment that he almost kind of becomes aware of himself as as more than just an actor. Mm. As a national treasure. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. He is an actor known for 
of course, his his crazy outbursts and all those types of things. But even outside of what he does on the screen, he seems to have like just this this wild life. And he was born into basically Hollywood royalty. Granted, this isn't stuff I really knew before the fact, but he's a Coppola, yeah. That's right, yeah. So it, it's it's hard to know precisely why specifically he was the person we gravitated for. I think we pretty much got the name and worked backwards. Right. In honesty, yeah. doesn't sound like us, does it? he's been an interesting person to do it we've discussed before that i think i think you would really start to tear your hair out doing someone akin to like a seth rogan that has turned in some okay performances in some quite good films but he kind of repeats the same performance it feels whereas nick cage like it is a mystery bag every time you dip your hand and brain in there Mm. and we very, very infrequently, even on the rare occasion he plays a character in a sequel, are treated to the same performance twice. Well, I think that goes a long way to, to kind of really um, to come to the the kind of aid of Cage in this, is that he's one, in, in my eyes, and, and from what I've learned from this, one of the last kind of remaining true actors. He's at no point just a character. When there's so many other people, like you say, that you you go, oh, he plays a really great role in that. And it's like, it's just a character that he plays repeatedly. With Cage is every single time he gets signed up to film, he just rewrites the book on what he's doing, <laughs> and it is fascinating. Some, sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, but there's, I I have come to really respect it. I've got to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. He, I, I was about to say, he always gives it one hundred percent. I wouldn't go that I've far. Definitely, I've definitely <laughs> felt it as like a personal like betrayal at this point. I don't know if just because we're shackled to him at this point. But when he he really phones it in, which he has done a few times we've seen recently, yes. it feels I feel like really personally let down because he he's dynamic for lack of a better word, mm. and he's kept he's kept it interesting. There are a few other actors that I think could do that that aren't some of like the greats. There are obviously actors whose entire back catalogs would be a thrill to watch, but I don't think that's as entertaining as interesting. I, I don't think anyone's back catalogue would keep you guessing as much as Cage's has. With that out of the way, let's dip our toes a little bit and talk about today's film we watched, shall we? We all checked out 2011's Drive Angry. Quick vibe check, guys. What do you know about this film before today? Uh, absolutely nothing. I tried to go in blind, yeah. Yeah, likewise. D- didn't know a thing. I-, I knew the name and the poster, but that is genuinely as far as it gets. This film really falls into the same sort of naming conventions of a couple recent ones, most notably Bangkok Dangerous, where he just sort of <laughs> picks a noun or a verb and then an adjective to follow it. And I was like, okay. And this is sort of Bangkok Dangerous, but with cars and hell. I'd, I'd say it's got more than that. Okay. For better or worse, it definitely has a lot more going on. This isn't usually the way we'd go about it. I'd usually want to just pull it, pull things apart a bit more, but I'm genuinely just interested that I need to know. Do you guys have a good time watching Drive Angry? No. I'd say the, the first half of it held my interest a lot because it's just so fast-paced. Uh, and then there, there came a point where I kind of realised what the overarching story was, and I was just like... I couldn't give a shit about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pinpoint the exact moment, but it, it must have been almost exactly halfway when I just went, nah, fuck this. This is done. How about you, Johnny? It's constantly tempting you to not give a fuck about it. <laughs> right up to the very... I mean, I don't want to jump right to the end, but um, shall, shall we say, in, for, in order to allow some some kind of later um, elucidation of what's going on, it's it's... 
They don't let you know the rules. There's no rules. Yeah. The rules are, the rules, <laughs> no rules. The rules are not. It's, it's this film more than any other film I've watched. This film, it enforced so, is a lesson in that whatever you're doing, you've got to have some rules. Otherwise, <laughs> nothing can happen. Yeah, this is very much, it just seems to just try and shovel fun down your throat the whole time. The final fucking words of the film just enhance the fact that you need rules for anything to be remotely interesting or exciting. It doesn't matter what's going on on screen, you, it's possible to simply not care about it at all. And that is exactly what happened there. It's it's so schlocky and just, just before we started, you were saying about comparing it to Grindhouse and I think that is fairly accurate. I feel like with the Grindhouse films, they really lent into the fact that it was sort of, they, they lent in that it's silly and no rules and overly gory for the sake of it. Whereas this sort of sort of went for that but chickened out last minute. I mean when he got something about when he got shot in the head it made me go, well, can we figure out exactly where we're at? Like is that and that's fine? I think that is the point you're we talking about earlier. Where Dan. do we go from yeah. here? He's been shot in the he's shot in the fucking that 45 head. minute point where you're like, ah almost the exact moment where we're led to believe that he's dead and then all of a sudden he's not dead, but then we're still supposed to be in fear for his life whilst he's being chased by other people knowing that he literally cannot die. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. But at the same time it's not addressed that he can't die until the very end yeah. where you kind of realise he gets he gets killed again and I just go, I'm not falling for it twice. Oh wait, he has actually been killed again. No, he's back alive again, and now he's telling me about how he can't die. So why is he running from these people? Why is he running away from people if he's literally immortal? What was the point in this film? What's the moral of this story? I found it weirdly calming when he ruined it at the end because it revealed to me why it was okay that I've never cared about him anyway. It was kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I don't. That's why I haven't cared the entire film about this person. There's two. There's two observations that I want to make. Just, just kind of machine gun these in. Which is, firstly, this film feels like, um, say, there was like a '90s kids cartoon where the main storyline was them trying to sneak into an art like an x-rated movie there was like a bad film that they were trying that the parents were trying to not let them see and then like the plot of the story would be them trying to sneak into this come hell or high water this is that film it's like a poorly (laughs) like the writers of the cartoon couldn't be bothered to actually like they're just like i don't know it's called blood man and it's there's all explosions and demons and guns and stuff. Yeah, this is just like every parent's worst nightmare of what their young child would see in the <laughs> explosions, <laughs> blood, yeah, Satan, boobs. sex. Yeah, it's if, all, got yeah. It all. if I see a guy walking around town wearing a hoodie, this is what I assume he's on his way to see. <laughs> he's a guy. He's a guy. <laughs> no, not even like, but not even like modern day. Like when we were kids, when there would be a hoodie that just has like a huge painting of a middle finger on the back of it, and it's black, <laughs> and he's listening to Marilyn Manson. This is the film that I imagine him having. In his DVD collection, <laughs> in this portable DVD player, <laughs> watching this on the back it's of the bus. Definitely a portable DVD. This is a portable DVD player film. This is the kind of film <laughs> well, that's on a portable. That's on your cousin's. That's on your cousin's portable DVD. Player. <laughs> 
at the family gatherings we get together and we sit in the at the shed at the end of this garden and smoke salvia and watch Drive Angry. You've got that one weird uncle who every now and then burns DVDs for you and this is what he's got. <laughs> he's like got five one. different I'm copies of fucking Drive it would, Angry. It would, don't it, tell your mum. It would really surprise me if the DVD of this film, the actual disc, was not a picture disc, but just a sharpie <laughs> written Drive <laughs> my one my one other observation I want to know what you guys think about this is that I was trying to place this uh, is, is kind of the way I approach a lot of culture which is kind of reductive and bad which is like I'm looking at it and I'm thinking 2011 and like there's mm-hmm. a degree of self-awareness to it I don't know whether you guys picked up on that which which was like for me was like it immediately led me to Grindhouse because a lot of the scenes are so fucking on the nose and hitting you on the head like oh yeah there's a he's fucking a girl but he's got his clothes on and he's smoking a cigar oh and drinking I mean we'll get to that but like yes please I'm aligning it I'm aligning it with two things one of which and both of which are quite self-aware one of which is um, the whole grindhouse um, it's like a it's like a, a, a cheap rip off of the whole like self-aware Tarantino oh this is really outrageous but it's aware it's outrageous but also which was almost more interesting, which was like linking it with like, do you remember 2011 was the, was like the era of like epic bacon Chuck Norris, like this kind of like self-aware masculinity. Do you know what I mean? It was uh, it was an epic year. It was an epic year. Yeah. It was epic. It was like epic mealtime like Dan Bilzerian like yeah that's a really interesting way of framing it that it was like epic consciously consciously masculine really crassly celebrated in a a way that it's for better or for worse that it it isn't anymore but yeah I never really framed it like that but yeah this film is sort of a bit of an antithesis of that it kept winking at you and being like hey this is pretty fucking outrageous right Just lowering its Oakleys to let you know that it knows. Oh, the Oak! I was I immediately tilted the moment I saw the Oakleys. The moment, and you've literally you've hit the nail on the head with this with the Grindhouse thing. But to me, this literally felt like a melting pot of Grindhouse and a Nickelback video. <laughs> it's unbelievable how much Cage has made himself look like Chad Kroger for this. And I, I read up on this. Uh, he actually brought some of his own ideas that were shut down. And he originally wanted to play this character um, with a completely shaved head and a full head tattoo. Sick. So at what point did they just go, that sounds kind of cool, but do you remember? What if you were like the guy you played in Gone in 60 Seconds, but with a mullet? <laughs> Man, I, I wanted to throw shade at how he looks, but I dressed like that maybe six years ago, so I can't really. Uh, ben, I mean, six yeah. years ago, I'd be throwing shade at you, but I was not. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have it coming, but like... The black denim, Ben. I remember those days. I remember those days. All in black, the like long-ish, but not properly long <laughs> blonde hair. Yeah, man, that, that was me all over. And probably six years ago, I would have thought this was a kick-ass time. In 2011, I admittedly would have been like, hell yeah, bro. Oh, how we grow. Right, let's let's talk about this film. And I think a good place to start. Johnny, I'd love to hear what you thought of Nick Cage's character, Milton, in this. Well, I'm going to jump straight in and, you know, doff my hat to the fact that Milton is clearly a reference to John Milton and Paradise Lost, the author of Paradise Lost. So I picked that up. Milton himself, I mean, thoroughly unlikable from from start to end. We constantly have to contend <laughs> with the fact that he clearly gone to hell for some bad things he's done. 
the non-revelation of the rules throughout leads to quite an interesting degree of like we never really know whether to be with him or, or against him as we never really find out what he's up to until the very end there's a point when I was watching it when just like due to a lot of the 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 the, the mise-en-scene of it and whatever that like I was thinking this must be based on a graphic novel right and you were getting that were you getting that at any point as well like this has this surely this is a graphic yeah, yeah, novel. I feel that I felt like it was definitely based off a previous text and this character probably had yeah. like an epic breaking out of hell yes, yes. story at the beginning so that there must be so that, that this is surely this is made for people watching it who have at least some sympathy or empathy with this character but i googled it and no no this really is origi- this is an original fucking screenplay oh God. someone wrote this and went someone hell yeah brother from nowhere just pulled this character up and went yep yep this will do let's go with him i was really nice as well because i know what you're saying about being kind of uh it's really difficult to get behind this film in any way i did find it fun to watch and the fact that it's just a constant stream of something oh my god oh my god one of my one of so i I watched this with my girlfriend and obviously she was doing everything she could to avoid it as much as possible and to the extent that there were points that i wanted to re to kind of rewind it and she just said no she said no (laughs) don't you you can't go back (laughs) to this this longer and i was trying trying to console her i literally just said um there, there's always something happening. Every time you look in the film, all right? It's, it's non-stop. There's something it just never ends. You'll miss it, action. There's something going on, okay? You can't say they're not giving you stuff. But that's the thing. It's not like any of these things that happen are explained at any point. No. So it doesn't really matter. You, you could miss any of it, and it's not like you would have gained knowledge from seeing it. Completely. And this is what really I found baffling when I went on to read that this is one of Axel Rose's favourite films. <laughs> that is not baffling at all. No, it's <laughs> so easy for me to just bring that into my worldview. I'm amazed Guns N' Roses was on the soundtrack. Like, what? there's so much butt rock plastered all over this film there is however a beautiful instrumental track in the credits composed by nicholas cage's son wes yep love that wow bringing all the family in so let's uh let's try and break down what happens in the film drive angry like from the beginning of the film to the end of the film what are we even watching there is a constant stream of something i agree but i got to the end and went oh like I don't really know what happened, or probably more accurately, why I should really care. Mm. So maybe, Johnny, if you want to start off, how do we first meet Milton? What I like is the the actual first shot is quite a quite an incredible shot of hell itself, which was probably the most visually impressive part of the entire film. Is literally within the first ten seconds. Some of the CGI. We, we see <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, we, we see an unknown person breaking out of hell itself. Uh, like hell's a sort of prison that somehow obeys the laws of physics, but you can drive out <laughs> of. <laughs> Which, bridges. Yeah, it's like bridges and shit. <laughs> Who built those bridges? We see we see someone escaping. I mean, I want to, and then we jump almost entirely from that to a diner, right? Where we've got a character who I'm going to call Folksy Amber Heard, who is Amber Amber Heard, but. They really try to make her seem as down to earth and country girl as possible by giving her a sort of a, a really lackluster, vague southern accent. 
and a diner uniform and presenting her in a series of situations that kind of show off her tough country girl attitude. Her rustic hospitality. I read that she... um. One one of the main reasons she took the role is that almost every line of her script involved her swearing. I certainly did. It certainly <laughs> did. We see her. We see her saving the cat, as the phrase is within film uh, terminology, by helping out a poor family. Do you remember this bit? It's quite. It's a very yeah. interesting one where they're going. Oh, da da. And she, uh, we 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 point. We noted a good bit, which was like she just before she quits, which is later on, having given her these pancakes. Them saying, "Oh, we can only afford this little thing." She gives them uh, a bit of extra stuff. Goes away. Shit kicks off. And then as she's walking out, she says, "They'll be a bit better with some honey butter." And then walks off. She's not giving them any honey butter. What a great why is, she telling, why is she telling them it'll be good She's with just honey dangling butter? dangling the carrot. By the way, the muffins are shit and there's nothing you can do about it. See ya. Hope you brought your own honey butter. Where's she getting honey butter from? What even is honey butter? She's a monster. Yeah. I mean, and, and, then, and then I know it's a kind of, it's a tedious trope to, to troll out, but immaculate hair and makeup throughout. Yeah, non-stop. A film which literally sends her through hell. Or adjacent to it, at least. So there's a moment we see after this where Amber's character Piper goes back to her, at that point, fiancé, catches him in the act with another woman. But as you go in, it kind of shows you a picture of them, the two of them together. And I don't know if I was on my own in this in thinking that they'd actually cast Stone Cold Steve Austin Austin, as Frank. (laughs) I I got so excited. You and me both. And and, and then it pans across and he's there, like, you know, having sex with this woman. And I was like, Stone Cold Steve Austin's in a sex scene. What is going on? (laughs) And I I think think that really set the vibe of everything from this moment on is going to be disappointing. But everything in that film so far did not put me in the headspace where that was impossible. No. No, exactly. Like, that would it's have made so perfect out- sense. This is the kind of film that I expected a B-list wrestler to star in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> we are missing a, an imperative scene there just to cut back to the diner real quick where to establish that Nick Cage is the bad boy, they have the flirty waitress comes over to him who's Piper's friend yeah. and she's really trying to turn up the charm with him for seemingly no reason. Yeah. And Dita really proved the point. He's a sexually free bad boy, just snogs the life out of her and then says, I wanted some sugar. Ooh. Whilst choking her. This is prime cage. One hand around the throat and making out with her. Does he snog the life out of her or does she snog the life out of him? Because there was a point early on within this where I was thinking, is this a running supernatural theme that because he's from hell he possesses some kind of supernatural sexiness and i think later on in the film i that that theory is kind of given a little bit more credence to be honest like i i feel like there is a hint that and this is this is why one of the many reasons why i felt like this must be attached to some existing graphic novel folklore that I'm just not yeah. aware. There's so many points. He has magnetism. There's so many points but... in this film where stuff happens and I'm just like, I must be missing something. There must be... I must be <laughs> ignorant here. I'm only, I can only be ignorant here. This can't just be happening. I'll, I'll level with you guys about that first bit. When I press play on, on this film, I quickly ran out to get uh, some water and, and some, like, like, a bag of nuts or something. Irrelevant. But when I came back in, that scene of him escaping from Howard already passed. 
So I was not set up with that at uh. all. So when you were talking about just 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 now, I was just like, what? You just thought he was a bad boy. <laughs> so when you when you were saying earlier, it's like there's no rules, and I was like, yeah, fucking right, there's none. I didn't even know he'd escaped from hell. <laughs> but even with that knowledge, it doesn't give you much. More. I just thought he was a regular guy. The first thing I saw was him fucking um, drifting in the car and then just shooting at another car, and, I was, and he blows that guy's hand off. And I was just like, oh yeah, oh, right, right at the beginning, before the title even comes up, where he shoots the gasoline with a shotgun just for the one and only reason that he can walk away and not look at an explosion mm. for the benefit of no one. Very sick. He is a bad boy, let it be known. <laughs> can we just jump back? I've got a quick caveat here, which is that the oh, yeah. uh, something that I sometimes do with films that don't quite uh, do it for me is like I'll, I'll choose my two favourite characters in the film and imagine that they've got their own film together. Um, and mm. one of my characters we've already passed, which is uh, Amber Heard's mate, the other, other, the other, the, the kind of sexy kissing. Uh, oh, that's a, Norma Jean, as played by Katie Mixon. She rules. She absolutely fucking rules. And yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's another character who we're going to encounter later. And basically, in my head, this film, the the, the better version of Drive Angry One which is what I would call it because I enjoy calling films one that are not within a sequence because that's just one of my things. It leaves you optimistic. Silence of the Lambs one. <laughs> World Trade Center one. World Trade Center one. <laughs> oh. 2012 one. No, that's just quite a long title now of numbers. <laughs> it's just a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've got her. I think she's wicked. She's got Moxie. Um, I'm into... She knows what she wants. She knows what she wants. And like, I just think she has so much more charisma than Amber Heard. And actually, even with this train wreck, I would have preferred it had we seen her journey yes. as opposed to Amber Heard's journey. I think she just would have... There would have been just been much more to her performance. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to her. I was a big fan of The Accountant. I mean, he was just obviously like very two-dimensionally written bad guy. But I love the whole, and I'm jumping slightly ahead here because I'm going to spoil something I'm going to bring up later on. I don't think we can possibly spoil this film. He was tracking Nick Cage by scent. <laughs> he was, yeah. <laughs> what is the must of that man? I mean, the obvious one would just to be say shit, but... Um, no, this guy smells like Jägermeister. Somewhere between Jäger and Lynx Africa. Oh, you mean th- like this character specifically? Yeah, yeah. Just, so- sure, just you're right. salt, sulfur. Probably just yeah. various. It looks like he smells of bad weed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about next? Because he goes to a bar and they both encounter various love interests. In fact, you alluded to it earlier, Johnny, and we have simply got to bring up what a bad boy this man is when he's making love. And Johnny, I'd love if you wanted to take the lead on describing that scene. Hell yeah. So, I mean, we don't seem like he's obvious as we would ex- expect of Milton. He's not, he's not begging for it. He doesn't, He's not asking for it. He's not. He's not putting moves on. He's not doing anything. He seems genuine. He seems genuinely reluctant to be involved in any form of copulation in any of this process. <laughs> Can I? Um. Sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off halfway there. Is are we meant to believe that this film is set in 2011? Because we see Milton's ID in the bar scene before. Right. I had a quick pause to check it out. Good. The guy's birthday is seventh of January. 1951. If this film's set in 2011, this guy's 60. He's died. Yeah, but he's ben. been in hell for this for whole time. For fuck's sake, it? that's the whole point. But moreover, the lady that tries to, well, does successfully shag him knows when or he was gets born. shagged by him. Yeah. Yeah, she saw his ID and saw he was 60 years old and was still like, all right, I'll crack on. No, but he's undead sexy. He's undead sexy. 
Ben. That's what you're not. He's, he's undead gorgeous. <laughs> that whole scene honestly just baffled me and I couldn't work out why on earth they'd put all of this nonsense in there until the moment where he turns around and says, the, uh, I never disrobed before a gunfight. Uh, oh, I gosh. absolutely lost it. It it might be my my favorite, uh, probably my favorite Nick Cage quote we've had so far in all of the days. Wow, yeah, that's that, that really tickled me because it's so shit. It's it's one of the worst and just hilariously timed moments. I've noted I've noted a few more Nick Cage. I've I've I've, I've found a few more quotes from this that I hope I hope will 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 be able to topple that from from just we'll find a moment from just this film alone. No, I mean within it as well. It's 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 the fact that he's unwilling to disrobe at all um, before a gunfight. He is fully clothed, making love with a woman, and I mean credit where it's due she's having a cracking time well i mean this is another point that we need to get to and like um it ties back into what i was saying originally about um viewing this film within the lens of the kind of like epic chuck norris self-awareness um that it possesses is a lot of it it was it was asking me to bite it was trying to make me angry and say that this was outrageous in order to validate itself and i was just not willing to do it like it was, was try- trying to get a rise. It was out trying to get a rise out of me. Is what it was. And like, yes, he's wearing sunglasses and all his clothes, smoking a cigar and drinking Jack Daniels. Whiskey in one hand, pistol in the other, motionless, making a woman climax massively. And I was, and I was just a part of me was just going, no, I'm not, I'm not going to rise to this. I'm going to view oh, this as yeah. if it's a normal bit of film, and I'm going to carry on with my life. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it the satisfaction that it desires. It's, it's already got you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> That's got what you, it mate. wanted. You're, years down the line, you're going to be reciting this to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's stuck with you forever. Yeah, I mean, g- generally, generally, I mean, as as we're talking about this sex scene, um, everyone's horny in the in the whole film. Uh, yeah, the, totally. I've, I don't think I've really watched a film uh, where every single person is trying to fuck every single person as horny as this, or as kind of like sexually confident and powerful as this. They um, should have called it <laughs> sex drive angry. There we go. There we <laughs> go. There we go. He wasn't really that angry, was he? He was more just a bit sad and determined. <laughs> <laughs> is that not what angry is? <laughs> have I been doing angry wrong? <laughs> you fucked up, man. <laughs> Nick Cage's main mission throughout this entire film is to just scull a beer in the most literal sense of the word. Oh, if that, that- isn't... Epic, I don't know what is. Epic beer win. That, that whole <laughs> final kind of bit. <laughs> oh, man. Drive Angry is winning. It's, it's is it? Win. It's like, no, this is because this is my point. Right, bang. You've just nailed it there. Which is like, this is the, this is like, this from the same era and headset as the whole, like, Charlie Sheen, epic. Should have been Sheen. Charlie Sheen, epic. Should have been Sheen. Epic skull beer win. <laughs> okay, we've thrown a lot of, of shade this film's way, and I think it's important we, we bring the mood back up a bit. So I'm going to quickly carve a brief pentagram into the desk. Ah, oh, my chest. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I'm just going <laughs> to splash some skull beer on there. We're going to gather round, flip the hoods up, and quickly bow our heads in a prayer as we be nice to Nikki. 
Johnny, I'd love to invite you to go first here, man. Say something nice about Nick Cage or maybe even more specifically Milton in this about this film. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to again, I'm going to borrow from my better half and say that it was nice that he chose uh, black denim as opposed to leather for his <laughs> so different film it would have been so it would have been so much well no like the if, if you were to be if you were to <laughs> apply the uh, first thought best thought process that was given to the script writing story every other element of this film to nick cage's wardrobe he's in a leather jacket isn't he obviously he's going to be in a leather jacket um mm. the fact they chose a quite clean well-cut black denim what was it a black denim jacket and then black t-shirt black jeans black t-shirt black jeans it's simple probably black pants as it's well it's clean i mean i also uh had to like relate this to the fact that he's as we know nick uh, nick cage is obsessed with ghost rider which i'm sure you've already visited absolutely this was just ghost rider with car honestly this is i mean what how uh, there are uh, most of the scenes of this could have been spliced into Ghost Rider, and no one would have really noticed. Absolutely, you could make an an epic fan made Nickelback music video between. <laughs> there were a few moments where I genuinely did think he was going to drive a car up a wall, and, I was, and it wouldn't. At, at no point would Burst it. Into I, flames. Yeah, it wouldn't have broken the, the film at that point for me because I already thought it was just that far gone. Good stuff, but that doesn't sound that positive, Dan. So I think it's your turn to uh, lay your life on the line before him and be nice to Nick. Well, I am going to put that back into a positive because we know that he likes his driving. We know that he likes his effects. He took on this with the idea that he wanted to be in one of the kind of first big 3D films um, uh, that probably backfired hideously oh, was this film in 3d it was yeah that makes so much the sense. other title of this film ben is i just forgot what the what, uh drive angry 3d <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's the one, yeah. <laughs> there's me thinking that i'm gonna be hey ben let me educate you on the name of this fucking film whatever the film's called and then 3d <laughs> So the working title was Sex, Drive, Sad, and a Bit Disappointed 3D. I can see why they changed it. But no, I did like the fact that he, the driving in this seems... It's it's more realistic in one way, but completely batshit crazy in a completely separate... <laughs> like, like, again, a separate set of rules. And I have to... I have to admire the man for breaking so many rules in this. Rules on acting, rules of physics, rules of everything. <laughs> You know, there's there's no transition from the real world to this film, and I kind of love it for that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. what I've got. I respect it. This film has made me more authoritarian, totalitarian, rule obsessed, <laughs> just into order and and everyone doing what they should be within prescriptive <laughs> guidelines. Maybe appreciate, yeah, all yeah. Over again. Just you know chaos we just need to do everything we can in order to keep everyone at least obeying some kind of cogent ideology it's <laughs> if everyone lived their life like milton it would be imagine that it would be hell on earth hell on earth is that's what he's in hell for a reason is milton because yeah. people like him need to be kept there and the very essence of this film is what we need to try and keep down I was just going to point out, I'd forgotten that we weren't, uh, we had to finish off Be Nice to Nicky, but I mean, after Ben has done his 
be nice to Nikki. I just want to have a quick chat about Webster. All right. Yeah. Oh, well, perfect segue there. There is a character we meet in this film <laughs> called Webster. And yes, did I blink and miss something? We meet him like we're meant to know him and love him. Uh huh. Did I? Did we meet him before we meet him when he's in his truck? You just need to open up your heart to Webster. No, Webster. Webster is introduced as if he already exists as a character. Yet again, okay. I'm so no, glad no, you said here's, this. Here's, here's the thing with Webster: is that you're introduced to Webster by the fact that like they show his foot coming down in a kind of brace mm. thing as if we're meant to go hey oh oh shit webster's here Ooh, webster <laughs> oh webster's still alive after the big crash <laughs> after the crazy horse race <laughs> webster's in, this is why like the, the, the whole point of this with the whole thing with this film just being like surely there are people out there who already understand this law like, that is a fan service moment for fans that don't yet exist. You can't be introducing <laughs> Webster to people who don't know who I, he is. I figured out exactly who Webster is during this, and I would actually like to be nice to Nikki and say, I think this is the first time that the man has ever let himself be part of a same-sex relationship on screen. To my knowledge, Webster is Milton's ex-husband. Oh, shit. Okay. And this is evidenced in a line where he's talking with Piper whilst Milton is just staring into a fire right before he announces that he won't have the cold beer because he wants to drink it from that guy's skull. Yeah. Just before that moment, Webster is explained to Piper and says the line, he was a crappy husband, but a hell of a father. How would he know that? Okay. <laughs> he was a bad husband. A bad husband to a bad husband to the wife that he. The wait, what happened? It's the, I say the wife's. It's mentioned that he has a child, but it's not mentioned that he has a wife. Yeah. Oh, that is a great point as well. This is a granddad revenge story, which is a very underplayed in cinema, and I appreciate it. It's not mentioned that he has a Webster. The timelines are a bit fucked with like Webster being the same age as Nick Cage, like because Webster's not that much older. I feel like a lot of the films like. Nick Cage being like, huh, imagine if I could play a guy that was like in his middle age. It's like, yeah, you're you're an old dude, man. You know, it's not yeah. it's not inconceivable that you would be that <laughs> old. Like, you must be like forty eight. Yeah. And he's like, huh, imagine if I was like fifty five. <laughs> All right, mate, that's definitely plausible. <laughs> I'll use my acting to convince people. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little boy. <laughs> Hang on, guys, guys, can you? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fucking send you a fat one about Webster, okay? Can you get a picture of Webster up just so we can... Yeah, love that. I'm staring deep into the eyes of Webster right now. Are you looking at Webster right now? Yeah. And then I'm going to... I'm also... Once again, I'm going to... uh, I'm going to credit my bet half on this one. Webster is Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. I did that same double (laughs) Got Got so excited thinking it was one of them. Blinked, thought it was the other one. Blinked again and he was neither. It just looks like someone's drawn a face on a balloon. You know what I mean? There's no... I thought it was cute. It's just so weirdly round and just childish face on a clear old man. I just wanted to give him a little cuddle, to be honest. I'm a big Webster fan. I would have joined his cult. He's taken, all right. Milton's still alive somehow. So, yeah, that is how I would like to be nice to, uh, to Nicky and just say he's got great taste in husbands. In case you're wondering, those the, the, the two the two characters of which I would like to make a separate film are the <laughs> oh, the other woman from the diner and Webster. I think they could yes. be a beautiful. I think lad that's together. his daughter. I think I'm, I'm happy. They run away. I'm, I'm happy to believe that. I'm happy to believe. Yeah, that. yeah, love it. We'll save it for the fan fiction blog. Nice. Right. 
there's a certain something that I think we should do. And I'm, I'm genuinely very interested to see how this pans out as we move into the next segment of the show, which we like to call Cage Match. Welcome to Cage Match. So, in. how are we going to... Dan, do you want to enter the ring or do you want to sit on the sidelines for this one? Um, I, I'm easy, to be honest. I mean, I've... We we know I've got a lot. I've got skin in the game here, so I don't mind being an impartial judge. If you if you throw wanna, me in there, yeah, all right, I'll I'll referee this. I'm ready. I've got my shirt off. I'm feeling good. Doing my stretches. So Johnny, we're gonna have you in the corner with Milton, yeah. and I'm gonna go <laughs> managing <laughs> our current reigning champion, Ben Gates from the National Treasure franchise. Wow. After he won his way back into the competition, this is gonna be his ninth game in a row. He is. <laughs> A force to be reckoned with. And he's the main one from National Treasure. That's right. He is the National Treasure. He is a National Treasure. Bloody hell. Okay, so we can start off then. And, uh, right. Sorry, I'm just getting together, trying to work out the best way to do this in order. We're going to go over a, a usual start on strength. And, Johnny, I'd love if you could tell me about the strength of Milton. So the term strength here, I'm guessing, is referring to both the ability to move large heavy objects but also emotional strength sure yeah very you, well um, you can use these kind of at will and then we'll yeah, kind of judge yeah, it from yeah, there yeah i mean rest assured this man has been through hell <laughs> he's been to hell and back <laughs> he's been to hell and back i feel like this might be the time to chuck out one of his uh quotes which is one of my favorites which is who do you think you are? Anubis. Oh, yes, I got that down too. He's grumbled <laughs> with some boys in the past. Who do you think you are? Anubis, which is one that I'm going to start using. This guy's rumbled with some boys. This guy's been through some shit. This guy's been to hell and back. And I would really question whether anyone who's merely existed on this corporal realm has got anything to say to him. He does have a gun that erases you from existence. Even That's very true. Even the worst. In the non-traditional sense of what a gun does to you. And it's called the... <laughs> hang on, can we can we quickly just jump into the fact that the gun is called the God Killer, which again... It's it in a box, <laughs> a box filled with smoke. It's full of smoke. Every time he opens it, just smoke pours out. Again, just it's that kind of writing which just sounds like it's a video game within an existing film, where it's just like, I don't know, it's called the God... Uh, killer. This is, this <laughs> is the storyline of the Doom games, but in Doom they use science to bring hell to Earth, and this they're using cult stuff. But apart from that, the parallels were ridiculous. Anyway. Oh, well, Ben, why don't you tell me a little bit about the strength of Benjamin Franklin Gates? Now, Benjamin Franklin Gates in the past, we've discussed a few times how he is reasonably physically strong. He probably clocks in about a 5 out of a 10 if this is a top trumps here. We see him pull himself up a, a rope ladder. We see him pick up a one-inch thick sheet of bulletproof glass when he is stealing the Declaration of Independence. But moreover, this man has strength of determination. He sees a task before him and he will accomplish it. He needs a Declaration of Independence. He steals it. He needs some time alone with the President. He kidnaps him. He accomplishes tasks. I, I do... Obviously, you know, I'm a fan of it. I don't think I can really let strength slide uh, from Milton on this one. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, can't he, die. Yeah. He can't die, but is simultaneously dead. So, uh, again, as we keep going back to, there are no rules, and that's going to be one nil to Milton. <laughs> yes. uh, ben, can you take me off with agility here? 
Now, agility in the past has sort of morphed into their just ability to not only move fast, but get themselves out of troublesome situations. And few situations are more troublesome than stealing and getting caught for stealing the Declaration of Independence. However, he does get caught and completely gets away with it. Likewise, when he kidnaps the president, he ends up becoming his friend. This man has got verbal agility locked down. Yeah, I've got to say, the agility of this guy, the, some of the stuff that he achieves, is it, it, it's otherworldly. So how do you think that stacks Speaking up? Speaking of otherworldly, though. Yeah. Uh, how, how do we think Milton does on agility? In terms of uh, dodging, I mean, uh, the theme of dodging, bullet time, slow-mo stuff, pops up a fair bit in this film. Let me just think very quickly. I mean... I would certainly say some of the scenes, particularly in which he's able to shoot three or four armed men while continuing to have sex with a naked woman fully clothed. <laughs> if that's not agile. Still hangs onto his whiskey as hanging well. Hanging onto the whiskey, oh. barely does, does drop the cigar. Okay, was, so uh, we'll knock one only, we'll knock one, so we'll knock off, one of off of that, then, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I'm 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 really struggling again to see how you could possibly compete with our guy Milton. I mean, he escapes from hell. He escapes. He from does hell. then get caught and taken back to hell. I suppose he goes willingly, having fulfilled his his aims. This is how I'm going to try and judge this because I do feel like it's become very unfair if we just constantly go with the guy is immortal because it's just not going to work. But he's played that card. We've seen, yeah, he can have that for strength, fair enough. When we come to agility, and there is something that you brought up there about the amount of bullet time dodges that we get in this film. Not so many from Milton, who finds himself getting shot numerous times. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be able to dodge much. He's impressive at driving, but other than that, I don't think that he has the dexterity to pull off a heist of either the president or the declaration. And for that reason alone, I'm going to give this one all. That does, nice. though, bring us back to what I think is going to be quite a strong round when we go for the appearance. <laughs> and we can start oh, with Milton here. Your <laughs> Honour, uh, I'd like to bring you back to the dark denim uh, uh, initial statement that I made. Uh, full black denim. It could have been leather. It could have been leather, but it wasn't. You know, And if it was, it would be a different story. It's tasteful. It's uh, seasonal. It's. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump into the hair as well. Oh. Um, I mean, Ben, you might be able to help me out with a proper appraisal of this hairdo, but it's. Oh, it's, what the hell is that on Nikki's head? Yeah. I wore it better. That's <laughs> all I'm gonna say. But I definitely also had it. Well, look. We obviously we, we've seen a great seasonal denim range from Milton. But Ben, can you tell me about the different shades of beige that um, Ben I mean, Franklin brings this, to the table? This is a man that adores a tan suit. Mm. Mm. I rest my case. Mm. Yeah, this is mm. this is going two one. <laughs> Which way? To Milton. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I can't a tan really... fan. <laughs> no, the thing is, I I am a tan fan, but I I assume that you're going to shoot me down if I give this to anyone but the guy who's dressed as Chad Kroger. <laughs> But Ben, that is going to leave you going first next on likability. Benjamin Franklin Gates is a cock. He <laughs> is rude to everyone that everyone that crosses his path. He is rude to. He is a man driven to the point of forgetting his own manners. 
He manipulates people along the way. He turned his cool dad into a nerd. He turned a little boy into a treason committer in the name of accomplishing his mission. But still, he has a band of merry men and women surrounding him on all his adventures that would throw themselves on a spike for him. I don't like the guy, but there is undeniably a cult of personality around him in which people are willing to do whatever it takes to be by his side. So how does that fare up against Milton? Is that someone that we like? No. <laughs> there is absolutely no way in which I can defend Milton as a likeable person. <laughs> this, is as, this is as far down the road as I'm possible to get with my defence of this person. His final statement at the end when he finally gets back his granddaughter is just to palm her off into someone he met the day before yesterday fucking disgusting and say you must promise me she is now your number one priority you know i can come back from hell and you've seen how many people i can kill you must protect her or i will come for you literally the least likable filmic character i've ever encountered (laughs) (laughs) well you've made a convincing argument there with no so we're going to give that two all and let's bring it on to cage and um should we start with milton johnny you want to go on milton on this one what what do you think are his uh, his kind of defining moments if you could pick one defining cage moment in this film which is littered with with cageisms moments of sort of exceptional acting choices that no one else would have made i think is one of the best ways to kind of define that absolutely i mean i would have to bring it back to the aforementioned awkward sex scene it's it's difficult to overlook that the uncomfortable elongated whiskey laden cigar fully clothed motionless (laughs) sex scene within that I actually before I'd watched the film at all as I was scrubbing through it to get a vague notion of what I was getting myself in for that is what I jumped onto little did I know that it would be indicative of exactly what I was going to have to go through (laughs) that it's a story beat (laughs) (laughs) an important part Ben, can you tell me anything about the big cage moments in uh, Benjamin Franklin Gates' journey in the Book of Secrets? In the National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets, there is only really one cage moment. And it's oftentimes become a crutch for Ben Frankie Gates. But that's with good reason. The man needs to convince people. He needs to get himself locked up in Buckingham Palace. He needs to do that by convincing the guards that he is inebriated. He pops a small bottle. He dabs some whiskey on his wrist, slaps it on his neck like aftershave, takes a little spritz. Why not? He walks down the stairs screaming in a British accent, loud and proud. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Look at them all standing in a row. Big ones, small ones. Some as big as your head. It's a tremendous moment of of acting. It's entirely different to what Milton shows. uh, And it's hard to know in honesty which one is more authentic to the man himself. I can picture in, in terms of what I think Cage could actually accomplish in real life. I think it's probably more like being drunk in public and doing a bad accent, which we've seen showcased many times. <laughs> However, in terms of him just being Cage and living out his fantasy, I think the other one he thought he was the coolest man in the world when he was filming that. Well, um, I I've got a certain logic to this, and that is uh, Milton's character 
none of these kind of cage moments, as though it is littered throughout the film, like these kind of little one-liners and little kind of moments, still feel within the realm of the character. Nothing takes you out of the film as much as that coconut line in, in National Treasure, and that's why I'm going to give it, once again, to Benjamin Franklin oh Gates. On, on a nine-win streak now, where he will tomorrow be facing Will Gerard from 2011 Seeking Justice. Who names the character Will Gerard? I know. I don't know anything about that film. Uh, I would like to know nothing about that film until I've watched it and then hopefully forget it. Johnny, you fought very valiantly, man. Respect. I had very little to work with. I feel like if um, I feel like Milton would be a huge contender against almost anyone else. He would have beaten anyone we had in the last kind of um, seven days. But, but Ben Gates is on a kill streak right now, and I don't see it ending anytime soon. He's got a combo. I'm just slightly disheartened that by by just joining in at this point, I was suddenly becoming the poster boy for a man that I despise. <laughs> <laughs> Having a fighter's corner. <laughs> no, 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 he's all right. He's all right. Yeah. You don't know him like I know him as well. Best bit of that film is when he he went back to hell. That's that's that was that was it for me. If you if you're worried about your views being uh, untold on this, I think it's going to come across pretty well when asked about the likability of, of Cage and you just said no. <laughs> so I I don't think anyone's on the fence about uh, where you stand on this. <laughs> Good. That being said, it is and god said i keep forgetting to read the note that i wrote to remind our guests uh of this before we start recording so sorry i'm bringing this up so late into the show johnny dan and i have recently come into a, a new employment opportunity here where we've been working alongside nick and a lot of his team at his his cagency dan and i are nicholas's cagents yeah and i heard that you've got this hot new script you've been I working do. on for a film called drive angry one sold on that title um, anyway, uh, Drive Angry, and I would love if you would just take a couple minutes and, and pitch the film for us to bring over to our client. Is Nick with us, or are you... Has, have you no, we've got him just, on email, though. Got we'll, an email. You can we'll, we can pass it over. He has microphones in the office, so he often hears stuff and sends it in, so okay. you know what you're going to get. Yeah, so obviously it's 2011. Obviously. Has Nick starred in a Ghost Rider film? End of question yes oh don't worry about it then he, yeah he's okay. he's done ghost rider one we we've not yet managed to secure ghost rider two for nick yet okay he is horny to do something like that again he is desperate okay. and we know he loves cars so he keeps saying more wheels more wheels i don't really know what it means yet <laughs> he he's made us aware of this one called drive angry he's told mm. us it's two of his favorite things to do <laughs> so he's already on board what can you tell us about this film because we'll be honest with you he's been in a bit of a slump lately and there's one thing that he's really desperate to know is is this film going to be good that's not something that I can promise off the bat and it's not something that's respectable what dimensions is Nick happy living with him at the moment is it, is it, main, is it mainly two because um, from basically what we've been discussing with our executives recently is possibly the addition of another dimension. Um, not okay. four, obviously, but if no, you can imagine... Now, we all know that Ghost Rider as a popular franchise was, was very committed to the two-wheel way of doing things. Um, now, with the addition of uh, another dimension, we're very much looking at... A two-wheeled ghost striker, love it. No, not even <laughs> oh, that. Okay, not even that, man. Not even that, man. Because if you imagine a ghost rider, but with an additional dimension added, 
You're going to be adding another two wheels, okay? Oh, shit, you're right, because we've already got up, up, down, and across. This sounds fantastic, because if there's one thing that we've had from Nick recently, and, I mean, even the last film, that he's he's been trying to tap back into that Ghost Rider energy. We saw him, his his last role that he agreed to take, he took on the basis that he thought he was making uh, Ghost Rider on a horse. Right. So... <laughs> Coming off of season of the witch, I'm sure he's he's already in that. He's already he's got this down. He's ready to do that, and I think that alone is going to be enough to sway him on this. Um, yeah, we're just getting back from him now. He's he's actually really interested in this role. He said he doesn't he doesn't even care if the film's going to be bad. He's signing on. Um, we actually have a bit of a budget for this, and we can free up fifty million dollars. Oh my god! Can you give us an estimate of how you think this is going to do? Do you think we're going to break even here, or are you projecting a loss, or maybe even something good to come of this? I am predicting that with the addition of a uh, meatloaf end credits (laughs) soundtrack, (laughs) I reckon will be good for if we're on 50 million surely we'll get 50 million back won't we mate well in, in the words of meatloaf i would do anything for cage but i won't see that <laughs> uh, this one's going to come in at 40 million we're losing night it's well just almost 41 so we're losing 9 million on this but in yep. in cage terms that's not too bad you know you win some you lose some oh, that's such a scathing thing to say <laughs> what are we looking at in on average in terms of cage losses like what's going on oh it's difficult because when he has wins he wins big yeah yeah but he seems he loses more than he wins mm. right that's enough about talking about this film i think i'm with that johnny thanks so much for coming on the show man it's been lovely to crack wise with you for a little bit it's been a real pleasure mate thank you so much for having me dan and i have a quite a bad habit of inviting guests onto the show and just sort of talking rubbish over the top of them so for that if we cut you off at any point i apologize Not but to counteract that we've actually added a new segment into the show when we have a guest that's called gone in 16 seconds where we give you 16 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about and your time to start now um just keep it real out there everyone lots of love um we're gonna get out of this wacky business that leaves good people like ben and dan to watching nicholas cage films really really soon check out my website www.johnnydruick.com that's one hell of a ride there johnny interesting to hear about the stuff you've been working on man always a pleasure dan thank you so much for your time mate pleasure as always Yeah, no problem pal johnny Genuinely wonderful to hang out with you for a little bit, man. I hope you're doing all right. Take care, guys. Hopefully in better circumstances sometime soon. Nick? <laughs> and Johnny, as you yeah. well know, we end every episode the same way with that catchy, catchy, catchphrase, and I'd love you to play us out. Yeah. There it is. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> See you. <ya. laughs>